Hello, and welcome to another episode of the DevHops podcast, the show where innovation flows freely and fresh ideas about software delivery are always on tap. Thank you for joining us. Today's show is huge as we are joined by Gary Groover. Gary is the co-author, along with Tommy Mouser, of Leading the Transformation, Applying Agile and DevOps Principles at Scale. I am so lucky to have gotten to sit down and chat with Gary. As I'm sure you know, Gary's one of the real DevOps heavyweights out there with Gene Kim, Jez Humble, and others. And like them, you can see him at shows all over the place. I had the privilege of meeting all three of those guys out at the uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit last year in San Francisco, which is when this book had just come out, and I cannot recommend picking up your own copy of it highly enough. You can read the whole thing in a day, which is quite impressive given the topic at hand, scaling DevOps. And in the book and in this interview, Gary gives some really outstanding advice on one of the essential early steps for DevOps success, getting executive buy-in. Thanks as always for joining us, and if you visit the article that accompanies this podcast on the SkyTap blog, you'll find links to Gary's website, where you can get the book, and also if you sign up for his newsletter, uh, you'll get access to the first two chapters of the book for free, which is great. Let's get right to it. So I really enjoyed your book, uh, Gary. And one thing that I thought was great about it is that I think it's coming out at a really great time. Uh, I think that we're kind of turning the corner on not having to spend so much time defining DevOps. Um, we've moved on to talking about how to scale it because so many people have already begun their journey or transformation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and you, in somewhat of a definition towards the toward early on in the book, you say that continuous delivery tends to cover all of the technical approaches for improving code releases, and DevOps tends to be focused on the cultural changes. And you know, again, uh, I feel like there was so much confusion as to what DevOps was even just a year ago. But uh, I think that separating the culture from the technology is a great approach to eliminating that confusion and kind of knowing what's going to be required. You know, I've I've evolved a little bit my thinking. When I've, I've heard Gene speaking lately, it's really trying to say that DevOps is all the technical, cultural, and practices that it would take to enable a company to release code on a more frequent basis mm-hmm. while maintaining quality, stability, reliability, all the illities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that kind of captures it all because you, you've got to do, you can't do one without the other, and you've really even if you do all the technical changes, but you don't get the cultural changes, your benefits are going to be fairly limited. You say that that, um, that applying DevOps principles at scale for enterprise solutions uh, delivered across services is, is going to require implementing continuous delivery. And I just kind of wanted to know why that is. Uh, not so much as disagreeing, but just understanding more about why continuous delivery is, is going to have to come at some point on this journey. Well, as, you, as you're trying to release on a more frequent basis, what you're really trying to do is integrate all the work in the organization and put it together and make sure that it's working on an ongoing basis. And continuous delivery are the technical approaches that make that happen. It starts with continuously integrating all your code, it starts with testing it, and then it starts with dealing with all the issues that you need to deal with to make sure your environments are consistent and give you the same answers as you move down your deployment pipeline from a developer's desktop to into production. And so the thinking is that if you don't do the scripted environment, scripted deployment parts of the equation, 
the feedback that you're giving to the developers is not going to be the same when they're checking in their code as it is when you're trying to get it into production. So you're just trying to resolve and deal with all those differences and make sure that you're consistent throughout the path. Because what you're trying to do is make sure that when a developer checks in their code and it passes that first gate, that that code will work all the way out into production without finding new and unique issues, which tends to happen if you let environment or deployment differences creep into your system. So uh, on that same note, I was at a testing conference uh, last year, and one of the presenters said something that I hadn't heard before, and he was talking about how uh, how they were you know doing DevOps and that they were working towards continuous delivery, but you know he showed all of these amazing accomplishments and and progress that they had made, and then someone said something about um, uh, about trying to get to continuous delivery themselves if this is what it looked like, and he said, oh no, this isn't continuous delivery, it's it's close. Um, but we're not there yet. And, and he said, you know, and, and for you, I would advise for you to, to begin doing these things as well because you may not actually get to continuous delivery, but that getting close still uh, gives you a, a ton of rewards and was basically advising that it's it's not about just getting there, but by working towards it, you're still going to get a lot of benefits from it. So I wanted to get your opinion on, you know, if getting close can be considered still good enough uh, or if you really do need to do everything you can to actually make it to what continuous delivery actually gives you. As I talked with Jeff, continuous deployment is the idea that it goes from a check-in all the way into production immediately. Continuous delivery is all the discipline and rigor around putting everything in under version control, whether it's the code, the test, the environment definition, the deployment process, the database, any of those pieces. And that rigor of putting those things under revision control and automating them to where they're reliable and consistent across all the different stages of your deployment pipeline. Mm -hmm. That is what I think of as continuous delivery. Continuous deployment is a business decision that says, okay, I've got all that structure in place. I'm no longer constrained by my ability to deploy code into production by my development process. Now I need to decide whether I want to do it you know, with every check-in or not. In a lot of cases, some businesses, that wouldn't make sense and it wouldn't be a value, um, especially if you're doing embedded things where you've got to, you're not in control of the deployments. But I would agree with them wholeheartedly that all of those processes and structures, as you start to automate your environments and get consistency across them, as you start to automate your deployments and get consistencies across them, as you do the same thing with testing, you are going to be solving issues that your organization's been struggling with for decades. And what you're doing is you're increasing the frequency of those things to the point where you can no longer brute force your way through issues that have been plaguing you for a long time, and you start to fix those things. So yes, the the closer you get towards it, the better off you're going to be, and you may never get to a situation where your organization needs you to do continuous delivery. Mm-hmm. Or, Continuous deployment, right? Right, right. Yeah. That that reminded me too about how you talk about in the book about uh, working to uh, you say dramatically improve productivity, um, and by automating some of those things, we'll talk about test automation, which we'll get to in just a second. But you know, automating the creation of those uh, of those environments, being able to you know collaborate around those, but that by automating a lot of these steps that were formerly 
uh, only done manually, if at all. It, that's Those are the kinds of things that lead to that dramatic improvement as far as productivity and efficiency goes. Yeah, and, and you start by taking off the things that are causing you the most pain. Mm -hmm. So you used to do a build a week or a build a day, and you start trying to do 10 builds a day. What are the things that are most painful? Because those things have been painful for the organization all along. It's just when the deployment frequency was way down, you were able to brute force your way through it. And as you start to increase that frequency, you can no longer use brute force to get through it. And you need to start fundamentally fixing those issues that have been plaguing your organization for years. You mentioned, um, again, this is kind of from earlier on in the book, but talk about the need to determine if your organization will embrace these cultural changes up front being really important uh, because if they won't, there's, uh, you say, no sense in making big investments in the technical solutions uh, that on their own won't help, like you said earlier, that if you just do the technical aspect without the culture, you're not going to get there. Um, I wanted to see if you had any advice as to, you know, how do you determine whether you're going to be able to get that um, uh, that, that buy-in um, early and maybe if it looks like it's going to be difficult, you know, rather than just uh, assuming it's not possible and throwing in the towel, um, if there are some ways to look for almost like continuous improvement at that, that stage on, on, on getting that buy-in so that you can uh, begin this transformation. Yeah, I think one of the first places I start is, you know, if, if you look at my book, we talk about forming a team to lead the continuous improvement process, mm -hmm. getting the executives aligned on leading that. If, if you've got the leader of QA and the leader of dev and the leader of ops and the leader of security and compliance all driving on a different set of objectives, it's hard to, it's going to be hard to get the teams to come together to align on delivering improvements and what to improve and how to improve. So the first step is can you get those leaders to come together and start to lead monthly checkpoints where we agree on what we're going to fix and we set that in place and we drive to these are the objectives we're going to drive to, these are the improvements that we're going to make, and then you get in this mode of their job is then to monitor and be that of investigative reporters out in the organization trying to figure out what got done, what get, didn't get done, and what you learn so that they can set up the objectives for the next month. If you can't get that aligned, I think that's where you should spend your energy and your effort and maybe you need to take it up in the organization and bring, you know, the book to a higher level executive over that to see if you can get that alignment or, you know, bring a consultant like myself in to work with the team to see what's in the way of them coming together and agreeing on those common objectives. So that's one of the big cultural changes is getting that team aligned and engaged in leading the transformation. One of the reasons I wrote the book is I think that's one of the biggest holes in the organizations is making that happen. <laughs> Number two is can you get the dev organization to respond to the feedback that you're designing and building in in the deployment pipeline? If they want to go off and just develop code and not make sure it's working in an operational environment and not prioritize making sure that's going to work, then you then you're going to get limited benefits. So set up a simple CI environment for their code and get them in the cultural process of having a few automated tests running. It doesn't have to be you know, every test automated, and it doesn't have to be the entire enterprise pipeline stood up, 
but can you get a simple CI environment that they're responsive to and they're reactive to and they're working through that? And if you can do that, then you've started down that cultural transformation. Um, the next one is can you make sure that the tools that you're going to use to deploy and define the environment in production are the same that the developers are using? If, you, if you've got developers using completely different tools to define their environments and deploy their code, then you're going to have a disconnect when you go into production. So can you get the operations teams and the development teams to come together and start working on that? I think those are you know, three key first things that you can start to work on and get going. And there's, you know, the book has some other sort of transformational spots, but don't go off and completely automate everything and don't go off and wait till you completely scripted the environments. Start using the test automation and things that you're developing as soon as you possibly can and, and get the organization coming together and aligned on going down on a journey and a path together. I've, I've talked to some who have, you know, led successful you know, DevOps initiatives, and you know there were some some early pitfalls and that kind of thing. But a, a lot of them all talked about the need to establish that trust early, and and that that's done you know differently with each department. That that each you know your your developers and your testers, your you know your, your executives, that they're all going to have certain areas where they're going to need some trust that this is a good idea and that it's going to improve the quality of the software or or uh, time to delivery or, or just make their own lives better, but that um, establishing that trust early and not just diving into it, you know, automating everything possible is, is a much better idea for uh, getting that trust and buy-in early on. Yeah, and I think the key part with the executives is making sure you get their fingerprints on it. Mm-hmm. Make sure that it's their plan that they believe will meet help meet their business objectives. Because if you can get them focused on their business objectives and how what you're doing and the transformations you're making is not doing DevOps to do DevOps, but using it to solve one of those problems you identified. Are you having quality problems? Are you wanting to release more frequently? Are you trying to sort of improve your productivity? What are those things that you're trying to do? And if you can get the executive teams to believe that that's key to their business success, then you start by getting their fingerprints on the plans and even and the other thing I say is get that aligned team to go down that path together because if you leave compliance or somebody out of it, they're likely to throw rocks at the changes you're making. Mm-hmm. But if you start with a set of business objectives they can all agree to and you get their fingerprints on it, then it becomes their plan and they'll make their plan successful. How cool was that? Gary Groover. That is going to do it for this week's episode of DevHops. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I do hope you pick up Gary's book if you haven't done so already. Before we go, a little housekeeping. We'd love for you to check out our other episodes of the DevHops podcast. They're all available for streaming or download from the SkyTap blog or on our SoundCloud page. And you can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to get updates on when new episodes are released or any other content that we've recently published. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on DevHops.